up, guys? Evolution.org podcast coming your way. Steve Smee here, as always, and I'm with Rick. How's it going, man? Hey, what's up, buddy? What's up, guys? Guys, we have four awesome topics. Let's, let's hit it hit on, all right? Let's hit, hit this hard. First one is tips for a second cycle and mistakes to avoid. So, you know, we all go through that. You know, uh, we've been there, Rick. Um, first cycle, it's so awesome. We're excited. And then we get into our second cycle and we start making mistakes. I'll be honest with you, being on the forums over the years, I think guys screw more shit up on second cycles than they do on their first cycles just because, number one, they're not patient. And number two, they figure, you know what, I feel so good on steroids that I can't work out anymore without them. So I got to jump into my second cycle. So the big one for me, and I'll let you chime in on this, Rick, that guys make is they don't take enough time between the first and second cycle. And I'm guilty of this as well. The first time I ran steroids halfway through my first cycle, I already was planning my second cycle. I was like, fuck. It's kind of like when you go on a first date and you're really into the girl and you're already playing a second date with a girl. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Finish your first cycle first, PCT properly, recover properly, then you can start planning your second cycle. So it's kind of like it's kind of like that. How about how about you, Rick? What have you noticed over the years? So one of the most common mistakes that I see guys make on their second cycle is that they want to double their dose right away. They want to go double. They want to go harder, and uh, that's probably not the best way to do it. After your first cycle, you want to post psychotherapy properly. Then you want to get blood work, make sure you're, you're back to base levels, make sure everything's functioning well. And then you might want to just run the same cycle or maybe increase dosage just a tiny bit. There's no need to go crazy and do twice the amount or, or add a couple other compounds on top when you just did one, man. Uh, this is a, a marathon. It's going to take a, uh, a long time to get where you want to go. So you don't want to just increase your doses right away. You don't want to just add a bunch of other stuff on. You want to try to stay at the same dose for as long as you can and also um, try to get the most out of the compounds that, that you're working with. If you start off with tests, maybe you should stay with that for, for a good while, for the, your first two or three or four cycles. I think doubling the dose and, and adding, you know, orals, adding more stuff uh, their second time around is also one, of, one mistake I see a lot. I think it's very important to go back um, in life or especially with this, and reevaluate your goals, reevaluate your cycle, reevaluate how you felt on cycle, how your workouts were, diet. Um, did you change your diet on cycle? Did you do something different? And kind of, you have to really study yourself and learn yourself. It's a never ending struggle every day to learn yourself. The best bodybuilders of all time, the best steroid user of all time, myself, Rick, the, the top guys in the industry who succeed at this and who are learning about this stuff, we all have one thing in common. We all try to strive to improve every day and we all try to learn every day something new. So if you're not doing that from your first cycle to your second cycle, and what I mean by that is if you screwed something up on your first cycle and you're also making that same mistake on your second cycle, then that is a red flag that you need to correct. You need to not continue to make the same mistakes. Example, 
did maybe you didn't run proper aromatase inhibitor on your first cycle and you got gynecomastia symptoms, you got water retention, you got insomnia, you got high blood pressure. And then in your second cycle, you don't run an AI again and you repeat the same errors. If you're not learning from your mistakes from your first or second cycle, then you're never going to succeed at this and you're just going to spin your wheels forever. Just, just like Rick said, I mean, you know, people always want to like double their dose, triple their dose. But if you just correct the errors that you're making across the board, diet, training, steroid use, and proper support supplements, proper support drugs on cycle, PCT, all that stuff, you'll get so much more out of your cycle. So if you're not taking a big leap from your first cycle to your second cycle, then something is wrong there. And if you're <laughs> repeating the same mistakes, then yeah, something is wrong there. You're not educating yourself enough about this stuff. So it goes hand in hand, guys. Our forums, there's articles, these podcasts, all this information, you need to be sucking this up because you need to get the most out of your second cycle. You can't just say, you know what? My first cycle was okay, but I'm just going to lollygag on my second cycle. You're just not going to get anywhere. Anything else, that's Rick? Yeah, definitely. Like you said, just learn from your uh, first cycle, correct uh, all the errors. First time around, a lot of guys don't do proper PCT. A lot of guys don't have their auxiliary meds on hand. Your second cycle, make sure you do. Make sure you take care of all that. And blood work, blood work, blood work, blood work. Make sure your baseline and everything's right where it needs to be before you go on the second one. You want to make sure that you didn't have any lasting uh, issues from the first cycle, uh, that you're clear and able to, to go on your next one. All right, guys. Yeah, this is a, a topic that we'll talk about more in future podcasts, I'm sure, because it's, it's a good one. The next one, though, is package seizures. And first off, when you order steroids from overseas, they come in, whether you live in Canada, the U.S., U.K., whatever, all, all countries, I'm assuming, uh, Rick, you would probably know this more than I, more than I do, but I'm assuming all countries have a customs, okay? They have a customs. The packages go through their customs. The packages are checked sometimes. I know in the United States, they kind of scan them very, you know, very conservatively, they scan them. They don't like open up the packages and look at what's inside. But there is a chance, there is a chance that your package may get seized. And this is something that happens from time to time. If you go on the forums, guys will chime in, you know, probably once or twice a week and say, oh, my package was seized. So I don't know the percentages on it, but it does happen. So what do you do when your package does get seized? Um, do you, and you end up getting a letter from customs. So Rick, um, you know, way more about international law and, and customs and stuff like that because you are a supplement owner and I'm assuming some of your supplements might get seized in other countries. So can you give me any tips for these guys? Well, um, it's been a while since I've gotten a seizure notice for juice, good decade or so. If you get a seizure letter, man, just, you gotta ignore it. Um, and, and not respond. The seizure letter is going to ask you to, to reply to them and to uh, try to claim your stuff, right? It says something along those lines, at least the ones I've seen and the one I got ages ago. And uh, you just don't want to do that. You, your best bet is to ignore it and uh, probably most likely to not, don't use your, your own address again if that's, that is what happens. Let me, let me chime in on that. 
what I recommend that guys never use your permanent address, never use a family member's address. Okay. Because if there's a seizure, they're going to get a letter. You're going to involve them. You're going to be in deep shit. Like you can lose family members from ever talking to you again. You can lose friendships from, from doing that type of shit. So don't, there's no need to do that. Get a PO box, you know, get a PO, get a couple PO boxes even. Okay. They're not that expensive. Sign up for like a six month or a year or three month, whatever. And then after the six months or a year, just get a new PO box. Just keep changing your addresses if necessary. And once you do get a seizure, you get the letter, don't use that address again because that's red flag. So, you know, that's the beauty part of, you know, having PO boxes. You can just go to the post office, get another PO box, go to the post office, get another PO box, just go to a different post office, get a different PO box every time that happens. So, you know, it, it it's, it's one of those things that's, the customs really, they don't give a fuck if people are using a few vials of steroids. They really don't care. Unless they're already watching you, okay? Unless, you know, they, they suspect you of doing something and they're watching you. It's not going to be a problem uh, legally in 99% of situations. So if they, if customs does see that you're importing a few vials of steroids, they're really not going to give a shit. You know, like, like Rick said, just shred the letter. Don't respond. Contact your source. Be like, hey, my shit got seized. Show them the letter. Um, don't shred it first. Show them the letter first. And a good source will typically reship your item to a different address. They will say, you need to give me a different address. We'll ship this out to you. And that's, that's what you got to do. Um, you know, and it's one of those things where it's one of the customs just wants to pretend they're doing their job. But in the end, they really don't give a fuck if someone's importing a few vials of gear. And now if you're importing like powders and, and, you know, thousands of, you know, vials of steroids, then yeah, it's going to throw up a huge red flag. But, you know, for the average steroid user, you never have to worry about anything really serious happening to you. So anything else to add, Rick? If you got a, a small supply coming, it's really tiny. Chances are that they're not going to control delivery of the stuff. They're not going to try to put NGM over it. Uh, they've got a lot of other stuff going on now. There's the, the fentanyl crisis, uh, all the stuff coming in, um, ecstasy. I mean, there's all kinds of uh, weird things being imported into the country now more than ever. And uh, the new scanners that they use are really good at picking stuff up. Um, there's a couple of good series on Netflix that shows you all the customs procedure and how they catch stuff all, all the time. It's like a, an ad geo show you can watch on Netflix. I think it's some it's called uh, airport security, something like that. You can search it out. And uh, yeah, they, they got good scanners. They've got um, portal stuff now that can uh, do the job of a mass spectrometer and tell them exactly what it is. They've got better equipment now that they've ever had, but they also probably have more shit trying to get into the country than they ever did. So if, you know, if they've got a, you know, a quarter kg of fentanyl um, that they catch that day and they've got your, you know, five, six, seven bottles for your cycle, there's a good chance that the fentanyl guy is going to get the control of the delivery and not you probably. So um, small amounts, chances are you won't have an issue. Um, and look, uh, best way I tell everybody, testosterone replacement therapy, you go to the clinic, you know, the clinics are more, uh, they'll work with you now more than ever. There's different stuff that they compound now. I would just go the legal route. It's always going to be good, always going to be human grade. And you don't have to worry about a lot of this stuff, man. Um, and yes, you'll be limited on what you can use because uh, TRT clinics won't prescribe uh, Trembolone and 
and some of these other, you know, really interesting compounds, but you get good human grade tests, you get good human grade uh, human growth hormone if you can afford it. That's just the way I, I, what I'm about now. I'm just, just using human grade, using vet grade that I can get and, and not dealing with, with customs anymore because uh, it's, it's gotten a lot hairier than, than it was ages ago, you know, than it was years ago. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I, I've always wondered why, maybe Rick, you know about this. Why is it that you can buy like stuff from an Indian pharmacy, like, like, you know, prescription drugs from an Indian pharmacy, have it shipped in and they just let that shit fly through. But then you have at the same time, the pharmaceutical companies in the United States, all like trying to uh, put lobby uh, the government from allowing foreign drug prices to, to kind of compete against, against them. So, you know, if that comes to a head one day, you could see a major problem importing anything like through customs because they're going to start opening every package they'll but it would take an amazing amount of mountain power that's the only reason that i personally think that they don't actually open every package could you imagine if they actually open every package well they i think almost every package goes through a scanner but you know what they can pick up and see sometimes the stuff will go through the scanner they just can't tell what it is and they let it through you know there's always you know human error there's a lot of things but i don't think i think when they open a pack and it's got a you know viagra or novadex or whatever in, in a you know tablets in a blister pack coming from another country they seize that shit don't they i mean i don't i don't know i haven't heard of anybody that got uh, any kind of uh, medication from another country with with the green tape on it green tape is when they open your, your stuff and then they close it back up um I think they take your stuff, man, don't they? I haven't, I haven't heard anybody. Uh, I mean, look, they don't, maybe they can't tell what it is. Maybe didn't get that packet didn't get selected for the scanner. It could be one of many things, but I think if they catch your medications and their prescription only, they're going to, they're going to take them. The weirdest situation I ever went through is I ordered, this was years ago, I ordered some sustenance and DECA vials from overseas. And when it got delivered, I went and checked the mail and the package was actually ripped open and the DECA and the sustenance vials were taped together, hanging out of the package and they still got delivered to me. Isn't that the craziest thing? So I, I don't know. It just made me, I just had to chuckle when I saw that because it's just like, Ray really don't give a fuck if guys are getting steroids, you know, and maybe the postman just didn't know what it was and just delivered it anyway. They don't care. I, it's bizarre to me. Um, that's most that's, like, I think that's the situation. I think whomever uh, handled the pack and, and saw the vials didn't know what it was and just maybe wanted to get home. <laughs> you know, maybe it was late. It's time to call it a day. It's time to go. And he just wanted to get through it. A lot of human error is the main reason why most packs aren't caught because they've got the scanners. They've got all kinds of uh, abilities to check, check up on stuff. I think, I think some of it is just human error sometimes. I've, yeah, I've heard, I, listen, I, I saw a story posted on the forums uh, a while ago, a few years ago. Guy got the package with green tape on it. It said uh, it had been you know, opened by customs and his gear was in it. And uh, nothing ever happened. My best guess is that the person who opened it uh, that day just didn't know what he was doing. He was new at the job. Maybe he was sick. Who knows? But, you know, he, he got his gear and, and nothing ever happened and he had the green tape on it. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's bizarre. It makes you 
makes you wonder if it's that or if it's just like, hey, you know, you know what? Do we really care about a few bottles of steroids? I mean, it's just push it through. Who cares? You know, just it's it's really bizarre. The it, it's just a weird weird situation. It's just luck. It really yeah. becomes a crapshoot. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know what's happened. I think they have to seize every now and then just so people realize, hey, yeah, that you know they're doing their job. It's one of those things where it'll seize. There, I think um, a couple of years ago, a source told me that like all our packages are getting seized. It was like a blitz, like a one month blitz where that month customs was just going crazy and just seizing everything. And then, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, the government, they need funding for programs. So they'll act, you know, they'll act like they're working hard, <laughs> you know, and then once that month is over, they go back to normal, just letting everything through. So it's one of those weird things, but a good source, a good international source. If you're not up to what Rick said, going to a clinic, going to an endocrinologist or urologist who can prescribe you, good international source, they should take care of you if there is a seizure. So, but never order too much steroids. That's the one thing that I will tell you guys. That's a tried and true thing. Never um, order a huge amount, just a small amount. But a good source, again, they would split your package anyway. So you're, you're covered. So it boils down to, you know, a good source that knows what they're doing when they pack stuff. Our next question is 20 somethings that want to be a Mr. Olympia. And this is a topic that we can kind of take at different angles. Uh, Cause Rick and I are about, about the same age. We're, we're both about 40. So we, a lot of our listeners range from 20 to 55, even 60. And we all, um, we have the same goals. You know, we want to, be healthy, look good, have good, you know, sex drive, kick ass in the gym. But there is that segment of the population, Rick, especially the younger guys who want that they, they just fall in love with bodybuilding. Maybe it was looking at a bodybuilding magazine. Maybe it was, you know, looking at, you know, Ronnie Coleman, Jay Cutler, any of these Mr. Olympia champions. And they're like, wow, you know, I want to win. I want to, I want to be a professional bodybuilder. I want to be at the Mr. Olympia. That's my, that's my goal. So what are your, what are your thoughts on this? Well, look, uh, as far as being, you know, the Mr. Olympia stage and being at that top level um, in bodybuilding, that's, that's tough. I mean, I get right back to that, but look, if you just want a pro card, if you want to have IFBB pro on your Instagram, it's not that hard. I mean, if you dedicate yourself long enough, even with uh, average genetics, you should be able to get there just to get that pro card because there's so many um, competitions now, so many competitors. It's, you know, they, they give those, uh, those things out for uh, men's fitness. Um, but when it comes to top-level bodybuilding, you know, we're talking about Ronnie Coleman, Phil Heath, Kai Green, you know, th this level of guys, you either have the genetic uh, package to achieve that or you don't. And that'll show really early on. That'll show when you're training natural. You don't even need to do steroids to know if you'll ever be able to win uh, at a high level. Just look at the way your body develops naturally. Just look at the way, you know, your, your muscles mature, the where they connect, um, what your symmetry is like. Uh, you know, get a coach. Find a coach that's, take, that's putting guys on stage and, you know, make an appointment with them. Strip down. Have them take a look at you. He should be able to tell pretty pretty quickly with your structure if you can if you can do it if you can cut it, and then it's just about your work ethic from then on. But you have to be realistic. You have to 
really be realistic and, and be true to yourself and know, do I have the genetics to do it or not? You know, do I have the, the structure to do it or not? Because I think today, uh, at today's level, uh, genetics is a huge part, you know, steroids. Uh, I don't think, uh, I don't think the guys that step in on stage, I don't think they're all using the same stuff. I think they're each using completely different looking cycles. You could use anything you want to chemically enhance you to compete, but your actual success and how well you place, it's going to have a lot to do with genetics. No amount of training can, can change those things sometimes. Yeah, I was looking up, um, you know, uh, prior podcasts. And if you guys go back maybe a couple of years, you'll see that I interviewed a top 20 Mr. Olympia named Charles Griffin. And what was fascinating is during the interview, I was suspecting something when I, when I interviewed on a podcast. And you know what that was, Rick? I said, you know what? You're from Minnesota. And there's a player on the Minnesota Vikings named Everson Griffin. And I'm like, you guys have the same spelling of your last name. I'm like, and you guys kind of look similar. So I, I called him, called him out on it. And he said, he said, you know what, Steve? Yes, that's my brother. So his brother makes a hundred million dollars as a professional football player for the Minnesota Vikings. And he is a top 20 Mr. Olympia. Do you see the connection there? Do you think that's just a coincidence? Guys, of course, it's John Jones, his brothers are um, professional football players, right? One or two of them. And he's a world champion. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think that's a coincidence? I mean, that's, that's called having the right parents. So, I mean, genetics is definitely a huge, a huge factor in this, guys. And look, if you don't have the genetics, I don't care how much steroids you use. I don't care how hard you work. I don't care how many hours you put in the gym. I don't care how much food you eat. I don't care how much insulin you take, how much HGH you take. It doesn't matter how much supplements you take, how much whey protein you take. You're not going to be on the Mr. Olympia stage if you don't got the genetics. So it's, it all plays a factor. And, um, you know, even if you do have the greatest genetics, listen, I may be the best cricket player, okay, in the world. I've never played cricket before. I will probably never play cricket. How would I know that? You have to just have that gift and be at the right place at the right time where you're actually able to take advantage of that gift. And that's, that's why a lot of people love the United States and they, they fight and they scrap to immigrate to the United States because we have the opportunities here to do really anything you want. I mean, I mean there's, you can invent a fucking can opener uh, and patent that and, and become a millionaire if it's, if it's something different. It, it just doesn't matter. If you have a gift for something, you have that opportunity to do it. And um, if you're not exposed to whatever your gift is, you, you'll never do it. So genetics plays a huge role in bodybuilding for sure. And I'll tell you, if you're 20 years old, I have to ask you, were you one of the top athletes in your high school? And if the answer is no, then you're not going to become – ever come close to Mr. Olympia. I mean, these guys who are Mr. Olympia, they all have backgrounds in football or basketball or any other sport where they're gifted in these sports, wrestling, powerlifting. They were the best of the best in their high school, you know, and it wasn't just something where they just magically went from not being an athlete at all, being from like a bookworm who spent all his time in the library to the next minute he's, he's on the Mr. Olympia stage. No, no, it's, it's a genetic thing. And, and, it's like that in any professional sport, any skill, 
Um, if you want to be the best stock trader in the world, I guarantee you, you can go back and ask your first grade teacher, was he good at math? And the first grade teacher is going to be like, yeah, he was damn good at math. He was in the top 99 percentile in math, you know, top 1% test taker in math. Yeah. He became a great <laughs> stock trader because of that. It wasn't like you're, you can't know what two times two is and then become a great stock trader. No, it's a skill. And these skills start with a young age. So, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, just definitely I tell people all the time, whether you want to become an artist or a bodybuilder or whatever, any of these niches that don't, that aren't like actual careers. My advice is have a real career and then pursue your loves, your hobbies on the side. And if you hit on those and you can monetize it, then you can transition to it. But, um, you know, you don't want to be eating, you know, Roman noodles and living, you know, in a, in a one bedroom apartment with two roommates just to reach your goals that aren't, you know, going to be able to make money off of because bodybuilding is extremely hard to make money off of. What do you think? You know, when, it comes to, when it comes to other sports, um, I think you can get by on, on, on hard work, dedication and, and finding your own style. Bodybuilding, you really need the genetics all there. You know, I think anything else, you know, they're, they're basketball players of different heights. There have been short basketball players, tall guys that played a professional level. Uh, same thing with football. Same thing with fighting, mixed martial arts, MMA. I mean, you just find your style. You know, boxing, the new professional uh, champion, Ruiz, he's just a chubby guy. He just has his own way of fighting. Those things involve a lot of technique, and, and you can just adjust technique and, and the rules to, to fit you. When it comes to bodybuilding, if your muscles aren't attached to your bones in the right places, in the right setup, you're just never going to look as good as the top level guys, no matter how much muscle you put on. If your body doesn't react properly to the compounds and you start to get sick from them early on or they give you a ton, a ton of acne or you have some of these real nasty adverse reactions, then it's, you're just not gonna make it because the top level guys, they're able to put a ton of chemicals in their body year round and some of them don't even lose their hair. So, there's there's a whole genetic component to it and yes of course you still have to head to the gym you still got to train hard you still have to you know keep up with your diet and, and make all the sacrifices of getting up and training while you're cutting weight and all these things but you have to start off with the right genetic material or top level uh bodybuilding mr olympia no way maybe uh you know maybe um men's figure <laughs> you know get your uh, pro card at the lower levels but you're not gonna you're not gonna reach the top levels of bodybuilding unless you start off with the right uh, genetic building blocks. Not 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 in today's age. Uh, that's just what my, about my... Uh, Rick? What about monetizing a career out of out of bodybuilding when you're 20 years old? Like, let's say you're a sophomore, junior in college, and you're like, "Fuck, I hate college. I, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but I definitely want to get into bodybuilding." What are the options for guys to monetize this to actually make money? Nowadays, for, for any, anything like that, uh, social media just provides the perfect platform for anybody to cut out the middleman, cut out the shows, cut out the magazines, just go direct to consumer. And uh, there's a, a huge uh, uh, you know, culture of people wanting to look at muscular 
men and women, you know, good looking dudes and girls for either inspiration or, you know, whatever, just because they're nice to look at. And uh, a lot of these guys make uh, make good scratch pub publishing um, advertising on Instagram, you know, doing appearances, selling, uh, you know, books, all kinds of stuff. You could go direct to consumer. You don't need to step on stage. You don't need to be featured in a magazine like you did, you know, years ago, like you did 20 years ago in order to really monetize. You can go direct to consumer and offer in your social media the same value or more than the magazine would offer or whatever else you're competing against. And, and you know, people are happy to, to circumvent the bodybuilding uh, structure, the IFBB and the magazines and go straight to their social and, and follow the fitness gurus that they want to follow. And, and some guys, they just want to follow them and look at them because they're, they're nice to look at, you know, that's just, it's just how it goes. So just go direct to consumer. And, and if you're thinking about going into bodybuilding to make money somehow, you've got to be looking good already and already have the lifestyle and already be doing it. It's not a overnight decision where like, I'm going to get buff and make some money. You kind of have to already be on that, on that road. I mean, most of us started lifting weights in our teens and stuck with it. So you just, you have to know if you're built for it, for it or not. You got to know yourself, not just what you're willing to put in and what you are willing to persist and how hard you're willing to work, but also your genetics. You got to know everything about yourself to really embark on this lifestyle. I'll tell you, um, we've interviewed some guys in the fast podcast and, um, you know, some of these guys, they, they started really young, but they got into some type of controversy and they had the controversy kind of, kind of blow up. We've seen guys kind of bounce stuff off of Rich Piana. They'll get into like a, a war with Rich Piana or controversy blows up on social media, on YouTube, on Instagram and all this stuff. And, um, is this stuff staged, you know, is it kind of, um, a grandeur scheme it kind of is because you know you get the you get that drama you get that controversy you hit that young male demographic that loves drama loves social media and loves going online and reading this stuff and from there you can kind of explode your your social media your instagram your youtube whatever so and we've seen actually a guy who started out like that on YouTube and now he turned his channel into a prank channel and he has a million subscribers and now he's selling t-shirts. He's monetizing his YouTube channel. He's making six figures on that selling shirts, selling, you know, a uh, different apparel, you know, selling supplements on the side. I mean, so that's, that's one of the things that you need to hit on. So it's kind of, it's kind of that you kind of have to be, um, kind of an asshole and you have to kind of like take a lot of shit too to to get to get to that level i'm not sure if the market's saturated now where you can just like start your own youtube channel and post videos and get like hundreds of thousands of subscribers so in order to sell a t-shirt uh you had to have won some something and be featured in some magazines and and something but not anymore now you can sell a t-shirt with your physique on it your name your brand and not ever have to deal with any of these established structures. It's definitely the best time to go into business and be an entrepreneur and explore any niche, any, anything you're into. It's the best time to do it, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I, I, one thing that I, um, I know it works, but one thing that gets on my nerves, and Rick and I have talked about this off stage, is those guys with the Instagram pages that have like pictures of them with like hookers, like with their arms around hookers, like two, three hookers and with their shirt off and showing off their abs. And then they'll order, have a picture of them on a boat, on a yacht or flying a helicopter, or, you know, or being on a private jet. And it's just, they give this image of, wow, you know, I, I live this amazing lifestyle and it's, it's marketing guys. It's marketing. If you go on Instagram, you look it up all these pages, you'll, you'll shoot yourself from being so depressed because you think all these guys are like, uh, living this grand life, but really their life is shit, you know, but it's, it's marketing and, uh, it draws people in. So, um, it's, that's a beautiful thing. Um, when, uh, when you can give that image off, but it's not really, it's not reality. So, you know, but you know, if you, just don't be one of those guys. That's all I ask. If you want to do it, just don't, won't be one of those full shit guys on, on social media. All right, guys. So our final topic is chemicals and nutrition that we should be taking before the gym. So I'll, uh, I'll answer this first guys. And we talk a lot about, you know, if it fits your macros and all this stuff and counting calories and counting carbs and how much, you know, it's bullshit. Well, this is a perfect example of why it's bullshit because meal timing and, and what you put in your body is so fucking important for how successful your workout is because you go into a workout, you want to be, you don't want to have like a steak dinner in your stomach while you're working out. Your body, 50% of the energy your body expels every day is digesting food. So you don't want anything like that in your stomach. What I would recommend if you're into powerlifting, you're into lifting heavy, you could do a little protein, a little carb, something like a couple eggs, okay? Um, don't fry them in like hydro, you know, hydrogen oil or canola oil, like, like cook them in, in coconut oil, something like that, very light, um, and some fruit, you know? That would be a perfect meal an hour or two before you're hitting the gym. If you're lifting heavy, if you're going for just weightlifting, if you're going cardio, you definitely don't want to put in your stomach, anything in your stomach. Um, because if you do, what's your body going to do? Your body's going to be so engaged that it's going to freak out and it's going to want to evacuate everything out of your stomach, either on the front end or back end. So you're going to throw it up or you're going to have the shits during your workout because your body wants to get rid of it. So in my opinion, it just depends on your workout, how intense your workout is. The more intense workouts, you want to have a clean stomach. You want to take a dump, evacuate your bowels beforehand, urinate beforehand. You want to get rid of all your toxins. The best runners I've ever ran with, these triathletes, what do they do before the race? They take a dump. They, even if they don't have to, they still take a dump. You want to basically get all the waste out of your system beforehand. You also want to be hydrated, but not too hydrated. If you're overhydrated, that's not good either. So you want to just basically be hydrated enough. Rick, what's your tips? I like caffeine, just straight caffeine before a workout. I'll take into KTS some days when I'm really worn down and I'm training uh, later than usual. But for the most part, just a uh, little caffeine, you know, just make a uh, coffee and, and guzzle it down, some really nice, strong coffee. So I like that before going in. Uh, GW, I remember uh, 
when I did my GW cycles, I, I really enjoyed taking GW a couple hours before training. And even though it has a long half-life, I, I still felt like I got a little something off of it. Um, same thing with my orals. Whenever I've done oral cycles, I'll make sure to take my, my oral uh, just like 45 minutes before I train. Does it make a huge difference or not? Of not? I, don't, I don't know, but I think I felt it. At least it's what I, at least it's what I, what I told myself. Also, um, now he, talking about weightlifting here, right? In the afternoon, weightlifting, um, amino acids are good, whey protein. Uh, you want to have some carbs, you know. You want to, in my opinion, you should take whatever your allotment of carbs is for the day. You should try to have most of it before you weight train. Um, ideally, you're, you're doing a training twice per day. You would be doing your fasted cardio in the morning uh, to try to burn fat and get your metabolism going. Nice big jug of water. Get your your uh, fasted cardio in early in the day. And then nighttime, you'll be going in for a weight training. And that's when you do weight training is when you want to have your, your carbs, your proteins, your aminos. You want to have all of that in your system as you're pushing the weights. And like Steve said, you want to time those meals so that you get them into your system and they're out of your stomach before you get under the bar, before you get under the squat rack. Uh, I think we've all heard stories of guys throwing up after getting off the squat rack for going so hard. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll make you evacuate. It'll make you throw everything out if, you are, um, if you're going under a lot of strain, you're getting the squat rack and, and you've got food in your stomach. It's, uh, it's coming out. So time your meals properly. And uh, those are good things to take before training, man. I think another one too, and to generate five caps an hour or two before training. That's, that's, that works fantastic. Like you just get a little, gives you a little more aggression, gives you a little more, um, you know, a little, little boost, natural hormones right before your workout. I think it helps my pumps too, especially the ES version. I, I get really good pumps on it. I try to take uh, three to four uh, tablets before training and that the pumps on that is are really, really nice. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's going to help with that because it's increasing your blood flow. That's why before sex, it's so good to take too because it really increases blood flow, whatever you're working. Um, you know, cartering is great, like Rick mentioned. Um, you take it two, three hours beforehand. It has a longer half-life than SR9009. That's another one to take. SR0, SR9009, Stenobolic, that one has a three or four-hour half-life. So you take it, you're going to get a sharper peak. So if you take it about an hour, hour and a half before your workout, you'll get a peak during your workout. You'll give you that boost and endurance. It's not a stimulant. It's going to give you a boost in endurance. It's going to allow your heart to work less hard. So you'll be able to push harder for longer during your workout. It's going to give you more win. So that's an option too. Um, you know, either Cartarine or SR009. But um, yeah, orals, oral steroids, um, a couple hours before the workout. I like that a lot. Um, it really seems to help the, the um, tightness and uh, the pumps, I love that. I love that for the, for the pumps. If my goals, my particular goals are for more pumps and vascularity, that is a really good thing during, during your workout to have. Just depends on your goals, guys. But, you know, what you do before your workout will absolutely either screw your workout or not. We see a lot of times, like, professional athletes, they interview them all the time. They all have their little strategy before a big game and that they'll do um jim kelly you know what he used to do rick he used to throw up before a game that was his strategy steve mcnair he used to take a nap 
before a game. If he got in his nap, he was going to play good. If he did not get in his nap, he would not play good. So we all have our little things. So you have to really experiment and find out what works best for you. But I can tell you, if you are always consuming, you know, very, very sugary stuff before your workout, then you will be dependent on that. You're going to become more insulin resistant and you'll need sugar all the time before you work out. Some guys will, they'll, they'll they eat a candy bar before workout. No, 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 guys don't get into the habit of depending on refined sugar to get you through a workout. You want to basically eat clean carbs, sweet potato, brown rice, fruit, clean carbs like that. And then clean proteins, maybe some eggs, stuff like that. Don't, eat shitty food before a workout, you're going to be run down and you're going to drag your workout and it's, it's not going to be good. And I, look, I've done everything over the years. I remember one time I had a steak dinner. I had a steak, some mashed potatoes before my workout. It was the worst workout ever. During my workout, I had to go to the bathroom and shit everything out. It was just, it was atrocious. So definitely, you know, don't pack your stomach full of food. That's going to slow you down. Any final words of wisdom, Rick, before we finish the show? Um, let's see here. Uh, you shouldn't be tired before your workout, even in the, in the afternoon. You know, when you get in there, when you get in the gym, you should be kind of taken over by the environment and get a big rush of adrenaline to want to get in there and do it. You know, just the smell, the sounds, you know, the, the, the girls, just everything at the gym should get you going. And if you find yourself having a hard time being motivated when you're in front of the weights, you know, you got to rethink things. You got to readjust your mindset because that alone, just being in there should be enough to just make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and and want you to start going and start killing shit. Just, just going in there alone and knowing you have a couple hours to dedicate to just torturing yourself. It should, you know, it, it, it should get you going. And if not, then, you know, you gotta rethink motivation. You need to, Motivate yourself better. Also, if you ever if you ever want to get the best pump you've ever had, and I'll tell you this from my stack of supplements, one scoop of N2KTS, two tablets of uh, N2Slin, and three tablets of HGenerate ES. You take that concoction, those three, t- those five tablets, and um, and one scoop of N2KTS. I'd say about thirty minutes, forty-five minutes before you step into the gym. You're going to feel incredible and your pump is going to be amazing. You, you want to have some calories too. You want to have some, some simple sugars and some, some good proteins with it uh, to take advantage of the Entuslin. But uh, that stack right there, those three before workout, man, you're going to have just really good energy and incredible, incredible pumps. Yeah, guys, it really, it really is very, very important. Like nutrition, what you throw out your body is very, very important. You can't just like say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get this many calories in a day. And you get this much macros in a day, you know, it doesn't matter when I take it. Yeah. Yeah. It does matter. What what you do before and after your workout is going to make a huge difference. You know what I'm saying? So experiment guys, experiment with different things. Try Rick's concoction. That actually sounds really good. I've used all three products and I can say that they do work. So I can't imagine using all three together. I'm going to have to start doing, I'm going to have to try that out next week, Rick. All right, guys. (laughs) Listen, we we appreciate you guys listening to the show. Please hit me up on the forums, guys, if you need help with anything. And I'm always there to help Steve SMI on the forums. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Send in your questions as well, and we will read them on the air. Have a good night, man. Thanks for listening, guys.
Hey, have a good night, guys. Have a good night, Steve. You too.